Welcome, wombat folk and trolls, sorcerers and orcs, to Rated RPG, the fantasy role-playing podcast where we toss dice and have fun adventures with our friends. This is the Valley of Green Gold, episode 38. Clubhead, Silbeth, and Wendell the Wombat, you have successfully defeated a zombified version of Skull, the beer brewing barbarian turtle, in a pit in Kyle's barn. And as you guys crawl out of the pit, you revel in the victory. All of the farmhands and Kyle himself are there cheering and clapping for you. Wendell, I was thinking, you said you had some scrolls of chill touch? Yeah, I have a bunch of them. I don't even need them. Yeah, could I have them? Oh, uh, yeah, I suppose. Because I don't have that spell. They're in my backpack somewhere. I'll have to uh, drag them out for you um, on the way back. Okay. Just remind me. I, I will. <laughs> D- does the person who bet on me uh, come up to me? Yes, the person who bet on you is a really thick-necked, dirty, like a lot of scars, unwashed, a gruff with a big beard, and uh, he says... Yeah, I, I, I heard about you types, uh, serpent folk. Yep, well, I, I knew it. I really appreciate uh, you putting your faith in me. Um, I like I like to save the day. <laughs> hey, have a gold. <laughs> he hands you a gold piece. Oh, thank you. And then you can hear like the jingle jangle in his coin purse. He he must have made a few dozen gold. Good for you. Good for you, buddy. Yeah, and he looks at you. One of his eyes drifts off to the side. <laughs> Not really sure what his deal is. Do you want okay. uh, yeah. Silbeth's autograph, sir? <laughs> hey, what now? You, you want a autograph? Autograph. <laughs> I don't know what. It means I sign my name on something that's important to you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He pulls out a short sword. It's all, like, dinged up. Yeah, sign that. Okay, great. I will. And what is your name, sir? Uh, My name is Grongo. (laughs) Grongo, all right. Grongo. Grongo, all right. I I sign uh, to to the hardest working man I know, Grongo. Silbeth Oris. Yeah, that's nice. That's <laughs> nice. Thank you so much. I, I, I'm sorry. Are you looking at me or are you talking to someone else? Nope. All right. Have a good day then. Right, good night. Grongo, if you're ever in town, make sure to stop by Antonio's gym where you can use all that gold you won to make even more money. <laughs> that's right. I'm going to go to the gym. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thanks, Mushroom. Bye now. <laughs> yeah. And he pats Wendell uh, on the back. Good job, teddy bear. Mm. (laughs) Thank you very much, yes. So as you guys walk into the farmhouse, fresh from your fight, uh, you see that there are a bunch of refreshments on the table and brand new issues of the Merchant Harbor Gazette are sitting on the table. Probably printed this afternoon. Maybe they were delivered by Owl or something. wow. But uh, you guys want to grab one and uh, go ahead and open it up. Sure. Oh, it's really thick. Yeah, it's a big one. Wow, and it's in full color too. They're on the up and up. Yeah, they're doing. They're spending money over there at the Merchant Harbor Gazette. What's one step up from a Gazette? They're gonna have to change their name pretty soon. I think register. Yeah, local journalism is very important. I'm really glad that they're becoming successful. <laughs> Yeah, I think Wendell would really appreciate it because it's knowledge. That's right. The more people know, that's it. The more they know. (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I just hope that this isn't full of misinformation, you know? Well, if it is, then we'll write in and complain. Yeah, because there's nothing worse than unreal news. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of unreal news, uh, this, uh, this story says Super Justin 64 uh, is here for a really impressive accomplishment. Apparently, he's entered into a beta test of Super Justin 65 <laughs> and so far that test is going swimmingly and there's a place we can go to apply if we want to get into the beta I don't know what any of this means but good, good job Super Justin 64 <laughs> a lot of ads in this one oh yeah I see that ad hey you know if we're if we're gonna be going down into the mine soon um, it looks like maybe there's a new insurance agency in town Ooh. yeah it's, it says uh Glorbin, Son of Glorbin Adventure Insurance Agency, LLC. Whatever that means. Does anyone know what that means? Lollipop Licking Club. <laughs> Little Lambs <laughs> Community. Okay. All right. Uh, lustrous Luchador Cabal. <laughs> oh. Well, they're going to be competition then. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway, local insurance fellow Brian Smallberries has just opened an office in Merchant Harbor. And listen to this quote. Uh, I have walked in the deepest, darkest abyss. I have seen its face and tasted its bitter mundanity. I have witnessed countless contracts go unread and signed. I have looked into widow's eyes and said, claim denied. See Brian Smallberries for your adventuring insurance needs. <laughs> wow. He seems really hardcore. He's not a very good salesperson. Well, I guess he gets the job done. He should sell insurance to all those adventurers going into the mines. No, it seems like you just pay him and then he says, no, you can't. I can't. <laughs> I won't. That ad really doesn't make me want to use his insurance. That ad makes me want to curl into a ball and weep for humanity. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here's something that will cheer you up. The Wizard Weary, uh, he's back in the headlines. It has to do, remember that uh, magic-infused uh, horse racing contraption thing that he, he made? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. Oh, look, it sounds like he's been doing some testing. Ah. He tested it out on uh, uh, several goats, two cattle, and a buffalo. Ah. Unfortunately, uh, it worked so well that the buffalo um, ran off of a cliff. Oh, okay. Well, who who won the magic-infused race between the horse, the goat, and the buffalo, and whatever else he said? Well, somehow the go the goat won, nice. which is weird because you'd think that ho the horse-sized things would win, but apparently was not, it your so. goat? Your goat ran away. Remember? Oh, that's right. Yeah, it does look like your goat. Yeah, there's a little birthmark on its thigh. Wow, my goat won a race. Yay! That's amazing. Your goat and wizard weary. <laughs> That's wonderful. Oh, here, here's some uh, not-so-good news. Sean Duncan is wanted for some bizarre crimes. Uh, it seems like old Sean put a sherbet-flavored pineapple in a swamp, and it grew into 45-foot-tall eels. Ah, uh, that's not good. <laughs> wow, look at that list of all the stuff he wants wanted for. <laughs> he also... J Jerry rigged a porch to capitalize on its dampness. Oh no! Wow, this one's ridiculous. Look, he was—he's uh, in trouble for sa sa sanding a barnacle off of a body 
that belongs to Wanda Sykes. Oh, I didn't even know that was illegal. I didn't either. He's out of control. Someone's got to stop Sean Duncan. Maybe we could stop him with something that Spidey Mouse has listed for sale in these classified ads. Oh. Let's see. A barbed strangler. Oh. There's a shoe-shooting bazooka. <laughs> oh, he's even got for sale a hat with fangs. Wow. I'm partial to the, the r- rotten m- mass of... In maggots that he's selling. <laughs> Look at this. Sheriff Dandy Griffin has put out a notice about a bum or a hooligan or something named Jackson Wynn. Oh, Jackson, I've heard he's a vagabond and a vagrant huh. and a ne'er-do-well. <laughs> and as you're reading the Merchant Harbor Gazette, Kyle approaches with a small package in his hands and he says, Hey, guys, I just wanted to thank you again for helping me out with the zombie turtle situation uh, I have something for you Oh, it's a small token of our appreciation oh. and it's something that I got from Lord Deputy Chris Fail. now he doesn't like me very much apparently because I'm a big cattle rancher and he passed a law that said uh, rot grubs were allowed on Crow Island and he was going to subsidize them so I, I have suspicions that maybe it's not a good thing that's in this package but regardless it's yours oh my god Gosh. Ooh, a mystery box. What could possibly be in it? Should we open it? Yes, immediately. <laughs> before we take another step. Who is going to roll uh, a D100? I will. All right, Brad, give it a go. 25. You open the box, and there is a letter in it, and uh, it just says, sorry for the misunderstanding. Lord Deputy failed. <laughs> and under that letter is a ceramic egg. Huh. It's the size of a small chicken egg. And the shell is opaque. You can't see through it. It's it's also yellow. Okay. Oh, wow. This egg's probably expired now. It's been in here for ages. This is useless. Should we open it? <laughs> Should we? Yeah, we might as well throw it on the ground and smash it. Well, I, I'd like to see what it is, maybe. What if it's magical? Uh, maybe we should just make sure it's not a magic egg. Clubhead, could you detect magic? I don't have that spell today, sadly. Oh. Kyle sees you discussing this, and he's like, oh, it's oh, an interesting egg. I think I know what that is. You should shake it and, and see what it sounds like. Uh, I'll shake it. Yeah, you shake it, and you hear... Like there's a liquid inside, not, not like when you shake a chicken egg, but like you hear sloshing around inside this egg. What's in it, Kyle? It says you heard the sloshing. Oh, that's a that's an oil egg. An oil egg. Yeah, those are those really really rare. Uh, you can uh, throw it, and if you you know hit something with it, it shatters, and then it gets oil all over. Oh. You know whatever it splashes on, oh. and then you know you can light you can light it on fire. Okay. How did it get oil inside? It's, I don't know, man. Magic, I guess. <laughs> um, oh, and you can also put the egg like into a fire or a heat source, and and then it has like one minute in the heat source, and then it'll explode, and it'll splash burning oil within like a five foot radius. So wow. you could like put it. Put it in a campfire and walk away, and then boom, you know. Ooh, that sounds like fun. Yeah. I bet you uh, had did, pulled some pranks with these when you were a kid, huh? Oh, I wish. Uh, I never had one of those when I was a kid. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, who gets to take care of the egg? That's a good question. I mean, maybe the person who has the least ranged things should take it? Oh, uh, now you're making me sad that Buddy isn't here. 
Ah, uh, Bunny DePayne. Let us find out what has been happening with Bunny DePayne. You guys left him in episode 33. Right at the end, a young man came running up to the base of Scout Schellenberg's tower saying, Mr. DePayne, please, you need it at the wrestling gym. This young man came to bring DePayne <laughs> back to the wrestling gym yeah. for some emergency. And Dion has not been listening to the podcast. So just like his character would be, Dion is completely naive to what has been happening with Aaron and Emery and Brad's characters since they split off. <gasps> boys, boys, I'll be back. I gotta go see what's going on with the gym. And with that, Bunny DePayne splits off from the rest of the Whoop Whoop troop and heads to Orlando's gym. I couldn't remember it before, and the guys said it was Antonio's gym. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Honestly, canonically, I like that the guys don't really know the name of the gym because they only support it because, like, I'm super into wrestling, so that fits. <laughs> They're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> All right. They bid you a quick adieu, and you run across the street and across that uh, park area with the big tree toward the wrestling gym, Orlando's gym. Yes. Yes, named after my grandfather. Okay, definitely not Antonio's gym. No, no, no. I have a cousin, Antonio, but him and Bunny and him aren't close, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Upon arriving at the Gilded Cane, you walk in the front door and several things hit you. First of all, you smell smoke in the air. Oh, no. It's an acrid odor that burns your nostrils and your eyes. A thick haze of smoke hangs in the air throughout the restaurant and bar area of the Gilded Cane, and you can hear screaming and yelling coming from the kitchen. What? What is, what's going on in here? I head towards the kitchen. All right, you go, go through those doors, and it is just so smoky in there. It burns your eyes, burns your nose. Oh, boy. And Zark Coppertop, the goblin who runs the Gilded Cane. Yes, yes. The fanciest goblin, if I remember. Indeed, he is, but this uh, true goblin of culture has also shown you that he has a very tentative grasp on his anger issues. And as he stands in front of a burned-out kitchen stove, the wall, the ceiling, it's all scorched, dripping with water that he has doused on it from uh, a big bucket. And now he is screaming at the top of his lungs at Buttercup, who is standing in the corner with her back to the wall, holding a frying pan up in front of her like a shield. You have ruined my kitchen. My establishment is ruined, and it is your fault. I shall take it out on you. And that's uh, Silbeth's uh, deceased lover's parents, right? Exactly. Yep. Perfect, perfect. Uh, hey, 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 I put my hand out in front of him. Zark, Zark, explain what happened. Buttercup is a sweet old lady. This... This, we can figure this out. What went on? Zark's chest is heaving inside of his tiny tuxedo as he says, You can see for yourself, she has burnt up my kitchen. She has ruined my establishment. Are you saying she did this? There's no way. And then I look at her and I say, What happened? Oh, Bunny, I made a big mistake. I tried to make some stew and I burnt up the kitchen. Oh. Uh, that... I, look, I'm no cook myself, but normally stew's supposed to be moist. <laughs> How can we fix this, Zark? I don't, you know, like we let them in. They had no place to go. You, thank you for allowing them to be in the gym. How do we fix this? I want the oak crests out of here. And if you don't pay to have this damage repaired, I want you and your oh. friends out of here as well. <sighs> 
how much are the repairs? Also, this wasn't out of the kindness of your heart. And remember, there was 300 gold exchanged. Listen, we're your businessman. We did business. Let's try to do business. I gotta keep the gym. All right, this sounds like a persuasion check. Uh, here we go. Persuasion check. Rolled. I rolled a 19. Okay. <laughs> you have persuaded him to at least calm down. Okay. You ask him, have you even had this appraised like that you know? Yeah, yeah. No. It just happened. Luckily enough, I was quick enough to splash water on it and put it out. But it is ruined. You've done this through bringing these people into my place. Zark, buddy, Zark, Zark. Look, you are a man who wants clientele, right? But you also, you know what brings in clientele? Good publicity. You taking in this displaced couple who just lost their daughter, that's gonna get you good publicity, baby. It's beneficial. And this, you're, this isn't ruined. You know, every time something's destroyed, you build it back better. We're gonna, we're gonna fix this. I can guarantee it or my name isn't Bunny the Pain. And it is. Fine, I will have it appraised. But I want the oak crests out. Listen, you don't even have to worry about that. We already have them set up for a different location. They'll be out by tonight. Is that fair? They gotta, you know, get their stuff and materials. But they'll be gone before the sun sets. Guaranteed. Buttercup Oakcrest leans forward and she whispers in your ear, Bunny, you've gotta go get Roger. He he went down to the Meebay Beachside Estates, our, our ruined home down there, to try to find anything he could. We had some money saved up. Uh, he went down there with Jed to find it. Okay, okay, I'm thinking it's Jed's with him, because Roger's just not a fighter. <laughs> you go downstairs, Miss Buttercup. Get, get all your belongings together. We got you guys set up for a whole different location. Don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to go get Roger. And then I look back at Zark. Zark! Don't bother her. She'll be out of your hair before you know it. We'll get this taken care of. And then I head uh, over to the States. Uh, Zark is still fuming, but at least he's settled down enough. You're pretty sure he's not, he's not going to do anything to Buttercup. You, He's a little bit afraid of you because you're a wrestler <laughs> and he's rather small. <laughs> And I do hang out with a, a precarious bunch, we'll say. Well, and you did uh, put a pretty good beating on Don Goose, so <laughs> there's that. Like, he knows that yeah. if he messes with if he messes with the Oak Crest, he's kind of messing with you guys too. Heck yeah, friends in high places they got. So, do you go directly like south of town, right to Me Bay, or do you do something else first? I mean, Jed's with him, and I was mostly concerned about Roger getting like murdered. Oh sure. Isn't the mute? person uh downstairs still is she good muty yeah yeah muty she is still living downstairs yeah i don't want her to get kicked out because i know then clubhead's gonna raise all sorts of mushroom based hell yeah and i do want to be like hey zark <sighs> they're gone muty is still clear to stay we're good we're good on muty like you leave her alone because I can't protect you from what our friend might do who is muty oh um you know, our friend, you know Clubhead, the the kind of terrifying looking amalgamation of wood and mushrooms? Oh, yes. He has a friend, and basically, she stays out of the way. You'll never see her, but she needed a home. Because, you know, wrestling gyms aren't just about the, the fights and the slams and the cheers of the fans. It's also a family. And we have a family now. How many people do you have living in my basement? How many people am I paying to live in your basement is the better question. Oh. And uh, 
<laughs> and the amount of people in your basement, uh, I start counting my fingers. Da, da, da. I mean, that's me, you know. It's like a wombat's only like really a third of a person if you think about it, sorry. <laughs> uh, then we got Clubhead, he's not even like a person at all. Uh, we got Silbeth, and I'd say like <sighs> three and impossible. When your lease is done, you're done too. I'm kicking you out when your lease is over. I think by the time you see how much money we bring in with this whole wrestling experience, you'll change your mind, sir. <sighs> Don't you worry. Better days are ahead. <sighs> And then he continues to try to clean up all of this stuff in here. You go down and just check on Mutie, make sure she's okay. Yep, definitely. And uh, she's she's down there. Yep. You explain to her, just like, stay out of the way or what? Oh, yes. Yeah, so I, I explain the situation. I say, hey, be low-key, be chill. Make sure that you don't cook anything for the next week because we're already on shaky ground. H- high five. I high five and I say, be cool. And then I head towards Roger because I can't think anything else in town All right. more pertinent at the moment. All right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, she gives you a delicate high five. <laughs> and uh, based on her reaction, she understands. Just stay out of sight. Don't cook anything. Yes. Awesome. You head south of town. It takes uh, a little over an hour to get there if you're really rushing. Sure. Yeah, you know, we're, we're huffing it. We want to make sure everyone's all good. Okay. As you're leaving town, you'll run past the repository. That's Madame Schmoopy's place. Oh, yeah. And uh, you'll run past, like, the stables and Mormir's Hammer, this place that serves sandwiches and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't see anybody that you know out and about, so you continue running down toward Mebay. You get down there after about an hour of running and you see the big pit where all of these cottages used to be. Uh, Give me a perception check. 11. Uh, You look down into the pit. It's tough to tell if anything is different from the last time you were here. Sure. But Roger and Jed are nowhere to be seen. Hmm. Do I see any like footprints or is there anyone around I can ask? Like, is there still those construction guys? I can maybe, uh, to get a lead on where they might be? The construction guys are gone. Okay. There are footprints uh, in the dirt and the mud around there, but it's tough to tell if they're recent or maybe a day or two. Hmm. But that's all you can tell. We've visited this house before. Isn't this where we kind of like fell through like two layers and that's where we found that guy's old journal? Yeah. So their house is a short distance from the shoreline and the shoreline there, it's not like a beach or anything. It's really rocky. And what happened was the last big earthquake opened up a big crevasse in the rock and that crevasse led to the sea. So now every time there's a high tide, the seawater pours into this hole and that fills the uh, sort of like creates this big stone water slide that will whisk you down into the cave. Otherwise, you see that the hole is still there. It's not high tide, but... They wouldn't have any any reason to go down there. Buttercup said they were trying to get some things out of the house, some money that he had left in the house. Yeah. But you don't see them in the pit. And you, yeah, you don't see them around. Huh. Um, where else would they be? There's not, like, any wood. I guess I'm going to try to search the house, maybe, like, or, like, look around the pit without completely beefing it into the hole. Sure, sure. You can take your time and do that without having to make a roll. You just look for safe footing, take in your time. Okay, okay. Any proof that they've been there at all? Do I see any, you know, anything out of sorts besides everything collapsed? Give me an investigation check. Oh, old Sherlock DePayne. 
Another 11. All right, sure. You don't see any glaring evidence that they've been here already. Okay. But if they did come here to find something, like a bit of loot or treasure that was left behind in the house, they might have already found it, or they came and they looked for it and couldn't find it and left. Okay. You didn't encounter them on your way down here. Is there another way they could have got here instead of south? There's another road that runs along the shoreline up by the docks, so that would probably be another way a person would get here. Then I'm going to head straight that way. We're going to find them. You start walking up the uh, road that you guys took down with the wagon. Uh, initially when you got to Crow Island. Give me a perception check. Hey, here we go, here we go. Perceived! Oh, a 20. Not a natural one, though. Oh, well, perfect. Okay. So as you're walking up this road back toward town, you're watching, looking for them everywhere. Mm -hmm. You're looking in the tall brush that uh, runs alongside the shoreline in spots. And that's when you see two figures moving quietly, heading south along the shoreline. You got a really great role, so you're able to determine that they're not humans, they're gnolls. Sure. Gnolls are like hyena folk. Okay. And uh, generally quite tall. One of them is about seven feet tall. The other one is really small. Maybe it's even a, a child. It's about four feet tall. Okay. And you see that one of them, the big one, is carrying a small chest. Now, they're about a quarter mile away from you. It would take you about 15 minutes to catch up to them. But they are heading south. They weren't at Bay. They're heading kind of toward Bay or toward the south from town. Would Bonnie know if gnolls are like naturally... Uh aggressive to humans you would have had experience with gnolls because there probably would have been gnoll wrestlers okay but how they react toward others how aggressive they are how friendly that's all going to be on a case-by-case basis uh, yeah it's like zark copper top right exactly sure. all right um yeah. ooh. First thing I do is I put on my fake beard. Because now <laughs> we gotta use it at least once. Okay. All right, so I use the fake beard. Okay. Can I, just, would it be like a stealth check? I wanna like sneak up, cause my idea is if they're carrying a chest, maybe that was the chest our guys were looking for. Mm-hmm. Can I tell if they have recently been in battle? Like, do they have like blood or anything on them? Like, I'm hoping they haven't taken. Also, Jed's pretty tough. I feel like they would show some signs of battle if they beat Jed. The gnolls are coming from up by town, south. You're heading north. Yeah. Either they came in on a ship or they came from town or they were in town and they're coming down toward you. And they're also walking along the shoreline. So they're quite a distance from the road where you are. Like they're not walking on the road. Oh, okay. They're walking like almost purposefully along the shoreline. Maybe they might be looking for something. Okay. Because you're so far away from them, you would have to get closer to them to determine if they've been in any sort of fight. Yeah. I'm going to try to catch up to them a little bit. Okay. At the very least, I know I can take out the small one and maybe use him as a hostage, even though Bunny's not a hostage taker for the record. <laughs> but, you know, it's two on one. I got to get a little shifty. Okay. Uh, I'm going to get closer to him. And once I'm within, I guess, you know, a safe distance, I want to call out to him. Okay. All right. Stealth roll. Here we go. 19. You put on the fake beard. Yes, I'd certainly do. You start walking toward them, sort of like in the same trajectory, right? You want to like converge on them. Essentially, yeah, coming down at an angle. Mm-hmm. And you're sneaking along. There's some brambles and things like that. You're kind of hiding behind those. And uh, uh, you startle a bunch of crows that fly out of the bushes. Caw, caw, caw. And of course, this 
is loud and it gets the attention of the small one of these gnolls. And he turns around and you see him look at you and point at you. And then the other one turns and sees you. I immediately go, stroking my beard. Ha <laughs> ha! Look at this, the little one. I'm so impressed. Most people have a tough time being able to see the world's greatest thief, <laughs> Orlando the Pain. <laughs> Where are you two traveling from? As I continue to stroke my beard. Are you are you walking toward them as you're saying this? Yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they look at each other and they just sort of freeze as they watch you walk toward them. Give me a performance check. I'm going to give you advantage on this. Oh, heck yeah. Because you really <laughs> sold it I got a 19. <laughs> All right. So they're watching you. Oh, okay. And they're just standing, staying put. You do see that the big one who's holding the chest puts the chest in a uh, backpack and then slings that over his shoulder. Sure. And as you're walking toward them, you make a couple of observations. First of all, you notice that they are armed. Uh, they do have weapons on them. The big one uh, has a, uh, a long bow okay. and uh, has a long sword. And the little one uh, appears to have some uh, daggers as well. Sure. D- does it look like he is, or I mean, that knoll is the like the child, or is it a child, I guess? Or is it kind of just a short adult gnome? Hmm, give me a nature check. <laughs> I failed, baby. <laughs> uh, a natural one, minus one, you got a zero. Okay. <laughs> yeah, whatever you think it is, that's a good answer. Oh, look at this family of gnomes, I say. This beautiful family along the walk. I, once again, Orlando Depan, I'm looking for Two gentlemen, one is a bit older, whose name is Roger, he just lost his house, and also there's a bigger guy, like, he looks he looks gruff, he's probably drunk, I mean, he's got a problem, but we're, we're working on it, named Jed, have you happened to see either of these gentlemen? The big knoll says, well, hello, uh, my name is Garth, and uh, this is my son, and yes, uh, as a matter of fact, Uh, We have seen two gentlemen, as you have described them. They are in town. I believe they are entering or were entering the tavern known as the Greasy Lizard. Oh, the Greasy Lizard. Excellent. So, I mean, not the pride, but I don't see gnolls every day, you see. What what are you guys doing out here with that interesting treasure chest? Oh, uh, we were gathering shells from the shoreline. You know, my boy here, he's collecting them as children often do. (laughs) Uh, You know how it goes. Sure, kids will be kids. It's just... He does does seem quite believable. Okay, I was just about to ask if there was like a a check to see if he was uh, fibbing, but I mean, if he seems believable... Yeah, give me an insight check. Insight... Insight usually doesn't equate to a lie detector, but (laughs) if if he is trying to deceive you, then there would be like a, an opposed deception check, and then we'll see what you get on your insight. Okay, here we go. I got a non-natural 20 on insight. Wow. He does seem to be telling the truth. Well, <laughs> Garth, my man, you're a great dad. Oh, man, I, I wish my father would have taken me on more adventures out to sea. Excellent. What's your name, little guy? Oh, my name is Runt. <laughs> Runt, what a beautiful name. You know, Runt sometimes grow to be the biggest out of litters, so... You know, you just, you keep 
eating the, the stuff you guys eat, probably various meats, and you'll grow as big as your pa one day. Yeah, I'm gonna be big, strong one someday. Yep, you're gonna be the biggest rump we've ever seen on Crow Island, and now that stroke my beard. So, Garth, you said he's in town at the Greasy Lizard? Thank you for that information. There were two gentlemen, as you said, and one of them was drunk, and uh, he was entering the Greasy Lizard. Oh, Jed. I can tell you this. He's looking for answers at the bottom of a bottle, and he hasn't found them yet. But I appreciate your candor. Garth, you're a strapping guy. What do you do for work? I, the reason I ask is my grandson... Uh, this handsome, magnanimous guy uh, by the name of Bunny the Pain. We look very similar. Uh, he has a wrestling gym, and you're the kind of guy who looks like they could, you know, handle themselves in a tussle. Oh, a wrestling gym. I, I don't know anything about all that, but uh, if you could give me a deception check, we'll see how much of that okay. he maybe believes. Another natural one. Dude, it's feast or famine over here. <sighs> Man. <laughs> Uh, he kind of <laughs> chuckles very well. Well, I will check it out. I'll bring my boy back around sometime when we're back in the neighborhood. Uh, if you'll excuse me, we do have uh, somewhere we have to be. Oh, no problem at all. It's like they're suspicious only because, like you said, they were off the beaten path. Yeah. You don't you don't use a goddamn treasure chest for shells. Like, you know, Bunny is like kind hearted, but he's not dumb. That seems weird. I mean, we're on Crow's Island. It's it's weird, right? It's a small chest, so it's you know it'd be something that you could hold with one hand. Okay, yeah, and I mean, like if he had a backpack, wouldn't the shells have just been in the backpack? You know, Garth, I I hate to be that guy, but someone has to be that guy. And this just seems like one of those situations where if you don't, if I don't speak up now, I'm gonna have to hold my peace. Oh. Roger and his wife Buttercup, sweetheart, she's not the best cook in the world, but you know she's trying. They lost their daughter recently. And on top of that, then they lose their home. And the reason they had went back with Jed is they were looking, they had a, just a little bit of money to try to get back on their feet. <gasps> this isn't a racial thing. This isn't an anti-Noel thing. But could I just take a look at that treasure box for a quick second? I hate to make it look like I'm assuming anything, but I wouldn't be doing my due diligence as a, as a stand-up guy if I didn't take a peek. Give me a persuasion check. A nine, shucks. I understand. I, look, people are suspicious of anyone that they aren't familiar with. I, I get that. I completely understand. Let me uh, set my backpack on the ground here and open it up and get that chest out. Show you these shells, shall I? Listen, I have to do what I gotta do. You know how it is out here. It's Crow Island, man. He reaches into the backpack. Uh-huh. He's grabbing around, reaching around, feeling around in there, and he pulls out a small straight piece of iron. Yeah. Which is peculiar. As you're, like, digesting that, he makes a motion with his hand oh. and says something oh, no. that is a spell, and he's casting it upon you. I need a wisdom saving throw. Wisdom saving throw, don't fail me now. 20! <sighs> Not natural, though. <laughs> <laughs> you, you shake it for a split second. You feel like you're paralyzed, and you realize, like, oh, shit, this guy just tried to cast old person on me. Roll initiative. Let's boogie! I rolled a six. Runt, the the little guy, is uh, gonna go first in this turn order. He sees that Garth has attempted to cast a spell on you, and you have shaken it off. He's gonna attack you. 
he pulls out his daggers. He runs forward. First one is an 18, and his second attack is an 8. So the 18 would hit for 6 piercing damage. Runs! No! No, Runs! Children are our future, and now I've got to end one. (sighs) You realize as he stabs you, like, oh, he's got kind of some gray hairs in his muzzle. He's not a child. He's just small. I've been deceived by a tiny gnome. My mother said I might die this way. He stabs you twice, is it, both of his attacks, and then he uses a bonus action to disengage oh. so that you can't hit him back with an attack of opportunity. That's slippery minx. Yeah, and then he runs like the rest of his movement and takes some cover behind some brush. <sighs> it is your turn. He's just going to try to stab me again. Honestly, that hurt. It didn't feel great. But you know what? I, I, I'm very well aware that the real threat here is going to be Garth. First, what I do is I take the beard off if that you don't want to charge me action for it for drama's sake. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I throw the beard into the air and then I make sure I'll be able to find it later. And as it floats down, I say, now you've done it. Aha! This whole time I was Bunny the Pain himself, the legendary wrestler of King's Road style. And now... <laughs> You're about to see what they like to call back home, ice cold mode, baby. And then I say, what's cooler than being cool? And I start clapping. What's cooler than being cool? What's ice cold? And then I go straight up hardcore defensive ice cold point, baby. We're about to boogie. All right. And he just stands, they both just stand there watching you do this because the buildup to it is very entertaining. (laughs) All right. I have an axes, but I've been wondering this the entire campaign. Would Bunny have practiced enough story-wise, you think? Because it's all about the flash and the coolness. I kind of want to be able to, like, whip my uh, chair yeah. kind of like a boomerang. Oh, wow. <laughs> Uh, no, I know. <laughs> you can throw your chair. You could really throw just about anything, and there are some rocks around you. Okay, that's what I was wondering if there was anything else. I was, yeah. I know the chair is always with me. Okay. <laughs> you're close enough to Garth, and honestly, you're still close enough to Runt that you could close the distance and attack either of them. Does the clothesline have potential to knock them down? A clothesline would be a running attack, and if you're close enough to approach a foe and then attack them with a clothesline, in pro wrestling, if you get clotheslined, you fall down. So, yeah. That's what I'm thinking, yeah. At the start of my turn, I'm going to spin a point for you don't know who you're messing with. Uh, just in case things get real freaky. You use an ice cold point, you tap into a burst of fury, and you get two additional unarmed strikes this turn. We're going for a clothesline because I want to have him on the ground, and I want to try to take him down as quickly as possible. Clothesline, don't fail me now! All right. Ice cold arm slap! Bam! Oh! Roll to 24. All right, well, that is definitely a hit. Hell yeah. This knoll is really big. It's seven feet tall and probably over 300 pounds. And uh, as you run toward him, you see, you get a better look at him. Yeah. He's got a head like a hyena. He has massive, powerful jaws. You see that he's wearing several pieces of black leather armor, bearing intricate orange floral embellishments. But otherwise, his fur is just deep, dark brown. Okay. With hellfire orange and black spots. Okay. He does have a long bow, and he has a long sword and his backpack. And as you come running toward him, he is a bit surprised that you're doing that. 
you hit him with a clothesline <laughs> and knock him prone and deal six points of bludgeoning damage. Now you're about to experience the bludgeoning. <laughs> Let's do leg or elbow drive. Thank you. Here we go. Oh, you shouldn't have messed with Bonnie, baby. Huh. Roll to 21. Ah. Oh. Man, you land this uh, leg on him, and uh, you knock the wind completely out of this guy. This knoll that's on the ground was not expecting that. Excellent. Because you're a pro wrestler, and this is something we established with the uh, drop kick, you pop right back up again. It doesn't cost you any movement. It doesn't cost you, you know, any action. So you have one more attack left. I point towards his uh, runs, and I say, this is what happens when you mess with the champion. On the road we're on, only kings can survive. And then I do another stump on him. A douche! Oh, damn it. That's only an 11. Ah, that would have been sick. He is prone. You have advantage. That is a natural 20. That is a critical hit. Hell yeah, baby. (laughs) Oh, my God. That one was the straight elbow to his sternum. Hell yeah. Oh, my God. You hear crunching as you collapse his rib cage, you think, maybe. Mm. And he is he is unconscious. Oh, let's go! Ice cold! I just started screaming, ice cold! Hell yeah. Yeah, that's it, baby. On Garth Greengrass's turn, uh, he is going to make a death saving throw. <laughs> oh, he failed. Oh! He should have never stepped in the <laughs> ring with me. Meanwhile, Runt, seeing that his dad or buddy or friend or whatever is is down on the ground and not moving after such a vicious assault he is going to attack you he's going to do it with his daggers old reliables he runs up to you no gets a critical hit holy sheesh first attack listen that must be his guy that's Eight okay. piercing damage. Second attack, natural one. So feast and famine, baby. Exactly. His bonus action again to disengage and move away from you. How's Bunny doing? Oh, I'm at 14 hit points out of 27 left. I got enough for this ass whooping. First off, this is the best fight Bunny's had the entire campaign, so I think I'm a little juice from that. Like by by a wide margin, I've never done this well. Yeah, but. <laughs> You, you ever see that like that that meme of uh, it's like Kermit and then it's like the Kermit with the Sid thing and it's like tells him to do the intrusive thought. That's me right now with the do a drop kick. Right. And I know I shouldn't do a drop kick, but my soul is screaming for a drop kick. So I, I got to do it. I'm going to expend another you don't know who you're messing with ice cold point because I'm just trying to get as many hits as possible. Ugh. Oh, I, I look at my stomach where I got stabbed at this uh, latest time. I, I take the blood in my hands, and then I just smear it across my face, and so I have a handprint of the, my own blood. And I say, now you've woken up the coldest ice. I remember all the times I failed at drop kicking, and I know it can't happen again. I start running towards him, my feet ready to spring to life. Drop kick! You run up. He's standing very still until you're in midair, and then he just moves right out of the way and uh, you fall you fall prone pop right back up though okay Ugh. and you have your two more attacks is he close enough to grab potentially sure because i got yeah. two moves so one could be the grab so I'm, i want to take hold of this little son of a bitch i'm tired of him running from me here's how this will work so you got to grab him first that's a grapple and then after you've successfully grappled him then you could do like the power bomb move but okay the uh, grapple is an opposed check okay. you because it's a, you're a pro wrestler you can use athletics or acrobatics and he has to use acrobatics against you 
in the opposed chat. Okay, I'm using my acrobatics. So acrobatics, come on! Yikes! What? My acrobatics is plus six. I rolled an eight. Oh, muscle. He got an eleven on his check. Oh, every day of the week, I normally beat that. Gosh darn dang it! Yeah. He's shifty. He shrugs off your hands. It's like he's covered in butter, but he's not literally covered in butter. You know what? I got one more attack left. I laugh to myself and say, it always comes down to old reliable. And then I just grab my club scene and slam it towards his face. <laughs> Come on, baby. All right. A nine. Oh, no. Oh, no. He like ducks way back, like Matrix style. Oh, he's so fast. And uh, the chair just swings right past his hair. <laughs> All right, runt. We're going to go down to the last tap. All right. Now that is your turn. Yes, sir. It's on you. Garth laying on the ground, bleeding maybe on the inside. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He is going to. He's having a bad time. Yeah. He did not wake up today thinking this was going to happen. <laughs> you never do. You never do. No one expects the clothesline to elbow slam. You know, it's just, it's not on anyone's Pinterest board. No. Uh, he does get a success on his second death save. Okay. And then we go back to Runt. Oh, little dagger boy. Bring it on. Yeah. You're gonna pay! He lunges forward toward you with his dagger. He gets an 18. Damn, he hates me! For five piercing damage. Oh boy, I'm starting to feel it. And he stabs you with the other one or tries 25 to Holy hit. Holy shit! Okay! For eight piercing damage. Mama, we are in a pickle and a half. How are you looking? I got one point. <sighs> Let's go. This is what it's about, ain't it? This is what it's about, baby. All right. Again, he uses his bonus action to disengage. But it is your turn. Oh, mama mia. As you look at Runt, you realize you've not done any damage to him. Now, the, the options are... I stay in this fight and see it through to the end like a true wrestler. And maybe die. That would be actually pretty beautifully dramatic for the group to find out I died on the road. Or I try to disengage and get out of there, but then I wouldn't be able to get them their money back. Or, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Could I potentially, because I'm not engaged with him since he disengaged with me. Could I, with old boy Garth on the ground, just grab the treasure chest and try to hoof it? You could reach into the backpack and grab the treasure chest out. He's not going to stop you. Here's where it gets sticky, though. You would use half of your movement to get to Garth and then use your action to grab the chest out yeah, and true. then use the other half of your movement to do what? Run toward town? I mean, but would Ice Cold turn and run? I don't know if that's kind of like in my character. I mean, I got to see this thing through, man. Mama didn't raise a coward. Mama might have raised a dead person. I guess all moms raids dead people of it. Anyways, sorry, <laughs> my brain went on a tangent. I want to do an ice cold opponent. I guess I gotta go with the one for defense. As much as I love the multiple attacks, because I don't know how strong Runt is, and he apparently can't miss. Which that would have been nice if he missed more than one time out of like six attacks. Yeah. Oh boy. All right. All right. I put my hand to my abdomen one more time, and then I just start laughing. <laughs> Finally a fight worthy of the name to pain. I lick my thumb that's full of blood. Ice cold! And this time I'm going ice cold defense because I am going to freaking okay. eat it. 
And now since he's at a distance, because that's all he wants to do is he wants to get cute, right? Yeah. He just wants to come in, stabby, stabby, and like disengage. Yeah. What I'm going to do is hit with object. Okay. I'm going to pick up whatever is nearby, and I'm just going to whip it at his goddamn annoying hand. All right. Does a 14 do it? You throw a big chunk of stone? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, I know you said there was, like, kind of, like, stones and stuff littered across the ground. You throw this, like, football-sized chunk of rock at Runt. Yeah. And it looks like it's going right for his head. And at the last second, he just ducks out of the way. (sighs) Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's my turn. It's time. This is what makes legends legends. All right. Back to Garth. Uh Uh-huh. The count is one and one. Yeah. And that is a strike. Oh. He's got two fails already and one success. Okay. And now it's Runt's turn. I should have tried something. What were were you going to do? I just realized. So, because obviously him and Garth, Run and Garth are a team, right? If I was smart and that kind of needed a moment of being afraid to die, I I was on defense instead of being on offense. Mm. I should have um, threatened to end Garth's life if he didn't put his weapons down. (sighs) That would have mattered! Damn it! (sighs) Oh, it's all good. Bunny DePayne is a noble man. He is a a principled guy. Yes. So the the fact that you didn't go right to that (laughs) speaks volumes (laughs) about your character. No, 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 listen. Like, because it's uh, like, first off, you're right. I totally want to kill. He doesn't want to kill people. It was about trying to use my uh, bonus to intimidation. It's all good. Let's let it ride, baby. Runt comes running at you with his daggers flashing. He's going to stab you once. A 20. But the ice-cold block set, correct? Uh, Yes, the ice-cold defense puts him at disadvantage on the the first attack, the next attack that you would receive, which is this one. So instead of getting a 20, your ice-cold defense allows you to deflect the blade with a 10. But he has one more attack. A natural 20. God damn! You have... It is what it is. That is a critical hit. And as you deflect the first blade, you turn your body, and Runt swings with his other hand. You don't even see the knife coming. And it goes right into your rib cage along the side. And one sharp pain, and you've bled so much already that you just collapse to the ground unconscious. It happens to the best of us. Also, those, those are the most impressive attack rolls, Jason. You were cooking, bro. You were cooking, dude. <laughs> yeah, pretty impressive. Hey, the game's the game, baby. All right. So you are laying uh, in a pool of your own blood on the ground. You don't know what's going on around you, but you do need to make death saving throws. That's right, I do. And this is where things get sticky and things get real. We talked about this at the beginning of uh, the Valley of Green Gold. Like... There is very real potential that your characters could die in the course of this adventure. Thankfully, Bunny did cut off one of his toes and deliver to Madame Schmoopy. So who knows? That might come into play. Oh, shit. That's true. All right. Let's do it. Failed the first one. All right. That's a fail. Okay. Two failures in a row. That means you have to roll three successes in a row or Bunny DePayne is dead. Eleven. That is a pass. That is a pass. Next roll, 14. That's a pass. All comes down to this last roll. Ow! I died. I died. And that is the end of this episode. 
of the Valley of Green Gold. That is a goddamn great episode. God, I've missed this fucking game. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, so from me to you, don't worry, because there's, uh, okay. there's contingency plans here. Um, sure. I have to figure out what they are, because there was some other stuff that was happening <laughs> that you didn't get to. Oh, my God. This is crazy. Hell, yeah. This is a great first episode bag, bro. Man. Yeah, I did not expect you to die. <laughs> No, no, neither did I. I didn't wake up this morning saying this is it for Big B. And that is episode 38 of The Valley of Green Gold. And I hope you enjoyed it as much as Dion and I did. If you want to talk about this with other folks who love The Valley of Green Gold, one place to do it is our Discord server. We have our own rated RPG Discord server with some sub-channels, one of them specifically for spoilery things like what just happened. Uh, if you're a Patreon supporter of Rated RPG at any tier, you're automatically included in the Discord server. But if you're not and you'd like to be in the Discord server, give me a holler. Email me, ratedrpgpod at gmail.com, and I will hook you up. You can also get in touch with us through our website, ratedrpgpodcast.com. In fact, many thanks to our Patreon supporters for making Rated RPG happen. Ranger Ron, Banana Fish, Danny Bell, and Joel! Thank you to the gorgeous Phoenix Brigade as well, the incomparable mage, the unexplainable Elizabeth Parcells, and the uh, absolutely unpredictable Jerry Vite. Thank you very much for supporting the show. Thank you to the Dukes, Turtle and Crow, and thank you to Lord Deputy Chris Fail. We got one roll in on the table of potentially decent random stuff. Uh, we'll get two more in our next episode. Many thanks to our Merchant Harbor Gazette tier friends too, Jackson Wynn, Brian Smallberries, Weary Traveler, Super Justin 64, Spidey Mouse, and GBS Trek, aka Sean Duncan. You know, Jedi. Jedi, I feel like he takes a lot of chances. He's not like risk averse enough. And I thought if we put Velociraptor with Jedi, maybe it, the two would cancel each other out somehow. Like, but I should have known. Velociraptor makes it worse, honestly. The two of them together, it's just a matter of time before some horrible thing befalls them. So we saved them the trouble. We waited until they were asleep, and then we put about a dozen hangry wolverines in their room. It was a really funny D&D &D prank, and we're going to resurrect them anyway. So, you know, it's fine. Everybody had a good laugh. So thank you, Jedi and Velociraptor. On behalf of everyone around Ye Olde Gaming Table, thank you for enjoying the Rated RPG Podcast. <laughs>